Welcome to Speak It On. This program is designed for the edification and entertainment of the listeners and not designed to be representative of a church, nonprofit organization, or denomination. Opinions expressed are solely those of the host. Welcome back. So, an academic epidemic. Have you ever wondered why so many preachers have degrees after their name? MDiv, DMIN, MA, MS, actually MA mainly. But, why don't you see more with just nothing? I wonder, is it that a bachelor's degree, you know, four-year degree at a college or university doesn't do it for a preacher? Why do they have to have master's degrees? Well, to be honest, it has to do with getting a job. Most of the time, uh, preachers don't get jobs unless they have a master's degree. And the degree that most people look for, and by most people I mean pulpit committees, which are hiring committees in churches that are put together to to find a pastor for a church, if they're an independent church, that is. Some denominations have their pastors assigned to them by the denomination. But even those guys probably have a Master's of Divinity degree, heartfeltly called Master of Divinity. Say, so I went to cemetery to get a Master of Divinity degree. And... To be very honest with you, Master of Divinity programs are really designed to be all-inclusive. So they teach you a little bit about everything. A little bit about everything. In fact, it used to be you had to do the biblical languages, the Hebrew and the Greek. Now it's optional. You don't have to do that necessarily. And, you know, I kind of get that depending on the individual. But... Master of Divinity is uh, the kind of degree that people get when somewhere along the way they go, you know, I just think God wants me to be a preacher. It wants specifically a pastor. All right. So at that point, they set themselves up to go to seminary and get that degree. I think it's odd in many ways, why a Master of Arts degree at a religious institution uh, of the same denomination, why that wouldn't suffice. Uh, Here's one difference. In the Master of Divinity is normally 96 hours. 96 hours. So, if you were going to do some math on that, most of the classes, not all, but most of the classes are like three-hour credits per class, so you take three and divide that into 96, and you get how many classes it would usually take to get that degree. Some programs require 100-plus hours, which I think is a little crazy, but oh well. Now, 
What does that do? Let's be honest. In, in a lot of situations, sometimes it doesn't do a whole lot. It just depends. But the kicker is, is that they can't get normally a church to hire them without a degree from seminary. And most pulpit committees, most committees that are hiring these people, have the, haven't the foggiest clue what is in that degree. All they know is that it comes from the seminary they approve of, and then it's a Master of Divinity degree. That's all they need to know. That's what they think. Well, here's the kicker. Again, it's real easy to just look at the degree. I mean, and in some ways, you know, scanning for that. But, you know, does he really know what he's talking about? How thoroughly are we examining these guys? Just because they went to a particular seminary and got a particular seminary degree doesn't mean they still believe everything they were taught. And in many ways, that can be a good thing. Because unfortunately, a lot of seminary programs uh, are a lot more of indoctrination than they are education. Because education is supposed to be about free thinking. It's supposed to be about examining the basis. Now, uh, what do you study in it with an MDiv? Well, there's many things, and every program's a little different. But you're going to have spiritual foundation or formation, is what they call it. So basically, a, kind of a mentoring program. You're going to have biblical languages in many of these, which I, I hope and encourage people to do. Uh, not just the Greek, but the Hebrew as well. And people just really, really just run from Hebrew which I think is is and can be sad and causes some problems theologically later, but oh well. Uh, and they have some administrative stuff that they about church function and how to minister to this group and that group, you know, senior adults and youth and so forth. And uh, then they'll have usually some denominational things, history of the denomination, church history, things of that nature, and possibly philosophy of religion. Oh my goodness, what a wonderful course I'm sure that is. Now, here's the quick, here's, here's the real kicker. How much of that are we ever really using? A lot of times, in these programs, ministers are trained as if they're going to a church that has several hundred thousand people in it. In reality, most of the time, they'll get a church, and they're lucky to get a church, or blessed, or however you want to look at that, to get a church of two to three hundred. And... Unfortunately, in many ways, the only way to work up 
in the organization or in their lives is to go to a bigger church. So uh, that used to be a pretty standard situation where they would stay at one church for several years and then they would go to a bigger church and you go to a bigger church and then you go to a bigger church and you go to a bigger church and every time you do that you get more and more benefits, more and more salary, more and more stuff like that. So that's upwardly mobile. The problem is, at some point, are we asking God, do you really want me at another church? Well, they must, you know, God must want me there. They called me. Well, no, that's not what that means. You know, um, I had a story shared with me one time about a about a uh, pastor that was in Texas and a, a, a church in Tennessee wanted this pastor and they offered him a job, a position with more money and he was going to take that and then the church he was at matched that and then the church that was off in Tennessee said, okay, we'll do that and throw in a car and then the current church matched that and then the church in Tennessee said, okay, we'll give you the, the, the salary of the car and put your son through college. And that's when God called him to Tennessee. That happens more often than people think. Does that happen all the time? No. There's plenty of pastors out there that, are, that, that just have the ear of God. I mean, they're right there and they're listening. God's whispering in our ear, and they are listening, and they are engaged, and they go where God wants them to go. But the fact that a lot of people move around for professional upward mobility is a fact. And uh, to be honest with you, in many ways, I believe professional ministry hinders the will of God. Uh, that sounds really bold and brassy, but it's true. I believe that. The complication is it's kind of a twofold situation. Number one, uh, these guys have to go to a seminary. Why? Because no church will hire them unless they got a blooming seminary degree. Well, I got a question. If you have a bachelor's degree in Bible that's got a hundred some odd hours of everything that you've studied, not just Bible, obviously, but I mean, you know, all the basic core classes, and then you've got Bible with that. What's the matter with that? Why do you have to have a master's degree? Why is that even a thing? There are many pastors, very successful pastors, who have never been to or have a Bible degree. Why? Because there are people who study on their own. There are many people who are very, very staunch and trusted individuals who don't have any kind of theological degree. Why? Because they studied. Now, here's the kicker, though. Why do, we, why do we always lean towards people with degrees? It's because, in a way, you can look at where they came from, what school that is, and you can look up what that school teaches and believes, and you can say reasonably sure, okay, they learned this, and they studied this, and they passed this, and got the degree. Therefore, 
at least at one point, they knew all this stuff. So you can kind of judge it from there a little bit. And you can tell yourself, oh, okay, well, you know. Now, if that was if they went to seminary like 10 years ago, you don't know if they still believe all that stuff. Not really. Even if they're in a Baptist, you know, if, if they went to a Baptist seminary and, and they're in a Baptist church, you can say, oh, well, yeah, okay. But if they, you know, moved around a lot and went to a Methodist church, an Episcopal church, an independent church, and you don't know if they completely still hold everything they taught that, you know, were taught there. Now, that can be a good thing and a bad thing. It depends. Because not everything you learn at seminary uh, is up to date. Um, every school, every school has its own focus has its own set core of beliefs that you will believe or at least know X, Y, and Z before we give you a degree from this institution. So from that angle, that's indoctrination, not education. But every school has that leaning. So here's what I'm going to say. You need to look at the man. Or woman, you need to look at the individual. More questions need to be asked about what people believe about the Bible. There is a church I've mentioned in the past. It's no longer a Baptist church, but that's because the Baptist church hired a guy that they didn't ask a lot of questions to. And when he and he was a fantastic preacher, and what he did was he built a very big following in that church and brought in a whole bunch of new people that loved him. The complication was it was a Baptist church, and he was teaching a lot of stuff that was not Baptist at all. Well, the folks that were on the hiring committee came to him and said, "Hey, we, you know, you're teaching all this stuff that's not, you know, really what the church, you know, the Baptist church teaches and all this stuff and we don't we don't think that's that's, you know, very good." And he said, "I totally understand. You're welcome to go to any other church you would like." Well, whoa. Well, these are people who had been in that church forever. Some of them had given, you know, donated the land the church was on. And all of a sudden, they got a new guy telling them they can go somewhere else. Well, guess what? He had enough people that were new and supported him to where, during a business meeting, they tried to vote him out of the out of the church. And guess what? That didn't work at all. And they ended up leaving. And eventually, Baptist was taken off of that church's name. Now, was that a good thing or a bad thing? I don't know. Maybe if I followed up with that church later and found out some fantastic things they were doing, maybe that was a good thing. But let me just say this. People need to know what their ministers uh, know. And you can't always tell that by an academic degree. And you don't even know how hard they studied. Read their stuff. 
if they'll let you. Now, I'm not suggesting that if you have a PhD, pastor with a PhD, that you ask him for his dissertation, because some of that stuff is really, really nasty. I mean, by nasty, I mean hard (laughs) to understand. Uh, A whole lot of very long words and a whole lot of very obscure references that people don't usually track. But knowing what the person believes is important. And if they have any negatives about the Old Testament and about the Jewish people and things about from that perspective, that is, in my opinion, a flag. Not one you should chunk them for. I mean, that's not one to get rid of somebody over. But it is something to ask them more questions about. Because sometimes people just don't know. And they're not doing things maliciously. They're doing things because they've been doing it that way forever. And they're in a rut. So, with that in mind, that was, this has been more of the academic end of the thing. The things I want you to take away really are this. Just because somebody's got a degree doesn't mean they know anything. Number two, just because somebody doesn't have a degree doesn't mean they don't know anything. Number three, a degree can tell you sort of what a person believed at one point in time. And number four, looking at the individual is more important than, in my opinion, the other stuff. Asking questions. Asking questions. That is a very Jewish thing to do. That is something Jesus did a lot. And anyone that will not allow you to ask questions about your faith to them, that is a red flag. So, with that in mind, I encourage you to keep on, keep it on. Thank you for listening to this edition of Speak It On. And as always, don't be afraid to speak the word in boldness and truth. And may God bless all of your life.